Welcome to the Paranormal Factor Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Thanks for stopping by. This is the place to explore mysteries, investigate the otherworldly, and share stories of the inexplicable and the strange. You see, within the realm of our daily, ordinary lives, there is a paranormal factor always waiting to reveal itself. So let's begin exploring together the truly weird. Welcome listeners and thanks for stopping by. I appreciate you making the time. I know you have a choice on what you listen to and well with so many podcasts out there I'm really thrilled you chose to give us a listen. Now let's dive into our episode. You may be familiar with astral projection from popular media, films, and television. You may have, for instance, seen Doctor Strange in the Marvel comics or films separate from his body to travel and perform actions on the astral plane. Or maybe you saw examples in films like Insidious, Doctor Sleep, or The Last Jedi. Perhaps you saw instances in television shows like The Magicians or Fringe. They make it seem so simple, don't they? Simply lie in a relaxed state and then choose to separate from your body. Well, we'll hear from people shortly who believe this is exactly the case. And, in fact, that like many skills, the more you practice it, the better you get at it and the easier it becomes. However, are they actually leaving their bodies or is something else going on? They certainly believe in the validity of the events, but as we will see, science views it quite differently. What both agree on is that something actually is happening. That is authentic, but what it might be in reality is where they diverge. To begin, it will be helpful for us to understand some basic terms and what they imply. The first term is out-of-body experience, or OBE for short. It's a phenomenon in which a person perceives the world from a location outside their physical body. An out-of-body experience is a form of autoscopy, literally seeing self, although this term is more commonly used to refer to the pathological condition of seeing a second self, or a doppelganger. The term out-of-body experience was introduced in 1943 by G.N.M. Tyrell in his book Apparitions, and was adopted by researchers such as Celia Green and Robert Monroe as an alternative to belief-centric labels such as astral projection or spirit walking. Out-of-body experiences can be induced by traumatic brain injuries, sensory deprivation, near-death experiences, dissociative and psychedelic drugs, dehydration, sleep disorders, dreaming and electrical stimulation of the brain, among other explanations. It can also apparently be deliberately induced by some people, one in ten people, have an out-of-body experience once or more commonly several times in their life. Those experiencing OBEs sometimes report, among other types of immediate and spontaneous experiences, a preceding and initiating lucid dream state. In many cases, people who claim to have had an OBE report being on the verge of sleep or being already asleep shortly before the experience. A large percentage of these cases refer to situations where the sleep was not particularly deep due to things like illness or noises in other rooms, emotional stress, exhaustion from overworking, and 
frequent reawakenings. In most of these cases, subjects perceive themselves as being awake. About half of them note a feeling of sleep paralysis. Another form of spontaneous OBE is the near-death experience. Some subjects report having had an OBE at times of severe physical trauma, such as near drownings or major surgery. Near-death experiences may include subjective impressions of being outside the physical body, sometimes visions of deceased relatives and religious figures, and transcendence of ego and spatio-temporal boundaries. Typically, the experience includes such factors as a sense of being dead, a feeling of peace and painlessness, hearing of various non-physical sounds, and, of course, an out-of-body experience. A tunnel experience, the sense of moving up or through a narrow passageway, encountering beings of light and a godlike figure or similar entities, being given a life review, and a reluctance to return to life. Finally, along the same lines as a near-death experience, extreme physical effort during activities such as high-altitude climbing and marathon running can induce out-of-body experiences. A sense of bilocation may be experienced with both ground and air-based perspectives being experienced simultaneously. The second term we need to understand is astral projection. Western mystery tradition commonly uses the term astral projection to describe a purposeful out-of-body experience. In short, it's a way of describing the human consciousness or soul or astral body temporarily leaving the physical body. Unanchored from its mortal flesh and blood, the astral body can supposedly do all sorts of miraculous things. According to Jane Aspel, a cognitive researcher at Anglia Ruskin University in England, astral projection is an intentional OBE that usually involves the experience that the self can seem to travel far from the body, even to other countries or planets. In other words, if you can harness the power of this phenomenon, you could potentially travel anywhere your imagination desires. So the difference between astral projection and out-of-body experiences breaks down like this. An astral projection usually involves an intentional effort to send your consciousness from your body. It usually refers to your consciousness traveling out of your body toward a spiritual plane or dimension. An out-of-body experience, on the other hand, is usually unplanned. And rather than traveling, your consciousness is said to simply float or hover above your physical body. Out-of-body experiences, or at least the sensations of them, are largely recognized within the medical community and have been the subject of many studies. As the brain is considered the producer of the experience, there is science attached to their study. Astral projection, however, is considered to be a spiritual practice and reside within the realm of pseudoscience. The key difference between out-of-body experiences and astral projection is choice. Out-of-body experiences happen to people due to circumstances and not by choice. While astral projection is a form of out-of-body experience, it is markedly different in that the person is choosing to leave their body. The modern terminology of astral projection was coined and promoted by 19th century theosophists, while the term itself may have come about in the 1800s. The concept and purported use of astral projection as a concept 
is much, much older and goes back to ancient times. Astral projection is anything but new. It's been around since ancient times, spread throughout various cultures and religions. For example, ancient Egyptian teachings present the soul as having the ability to hover outside the physical body via what is known as the ka, or subtle, body. A biblical passage might also point to astral projection. Paul's second epistle to the Corinthians seems to refer to the astral planes. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. This statement gave rise to the Visio Pali, a tract that offers a vision of heaven and hell, actually a forerunner of visions attributed to Dante's Divine Comedy. Taoist alchemic practice involves creation of an energy body by breathing meditations, drawing energy into a pearl that is then circulated. A Taoist story states, With a drum as his pillow, he fell fast asleep, snoring and motionless. His primordial spirit, however, went straight into the banquet room and said, My lords, here I am again. When Tuzi walked with the officials to take a look, there really was a Taoist sleeping on the ground and snoring like thunder. Yet, inside, in the side room, there was another Taoist beating a fisher drum and singing Taoist songs. The officials all said, Although there are two different people, their faces and clothes are exactly alike. Clearly, he is a divine immortal who can divide his body and appear in several places at once. At that moment, the Taoist in the side room came walking out, and the Taoist sleeping on the ground woke up. The two merged into one. Similar ideas are found in ancient Hindu scriptures. Modern Indians who have vouched for astral projection include Paramahansa Yoga Nanda, who witnessed a Swami doing a miracle through a possible astral projection. The Indian spiritual teacher, Mayor Baba, describes use of astral projection as follows. In the advancing stages leading to the beginning of the path, the aspirant becomes spiritually prepared for being entrusted with free use of the forces of the inner world of the astral bodies. He may then undertake astral journeys in his astral form, leaving the physical body in sleep or wakefulness. The astral journeys that are taken unconsciously are much less important than those undertaken with full consciousness and as a result of deliberate choice. This implies conscious use of the astral body. Conscious separation of the astral body from the outer vehicle of the gross body has its own value in making the soul feel its distinction from the gross body and in arriving at fuller control of the gross body. One can, at will, put on and take off the external gross body as if it were a cloak, he states, and use the astral body for experiencing the inner world of the astral and for undertaking journeys through it, if and when necessary. The ability to undertake astral journeys, therefore, involves considerable expansion of one's scope for experience. It brings opportunities for promoting one's own spiritual advancement, which begins with the engagement of consciousness. Astral projection is considered achievable by yoga practitioners through self-disciplined practice. In Japanese mythology, an ekiryo, is a manifestation of the soul of a living person separately from their body. 
Traditionally, if someone holds a sufficient grudge against another person, it's believed that a part or the whole of their soul can temporarily leave their body and appear before the target of their hate in order to curse or otherwise harm them, similar to an evil eye. Souls are also believed to leave a living body when the body is extremely sick or comatose. Such akiryo are not malicious. In some Inuit groups, people with special abilities are said to travel to mythological remote places and report their experiences and things important to their community. How to stop bad luck in hunting or cure a sick person. Things unavailable to people with normal capabilities. In the Amazon, the Yaskomo is believed to be able to perform a soul flight that can serve several functions such as healing, flying to the sky to consult cosmological beings to get a name for a newborn baby, flying to the cave of Vicarius's mountains to ask the father of Vicarius for abundance of game, or flying deep down into a river to get the help of other beings. While it's been around since ancient times, astral projection's most recent resurgence in the Western world occurred in the 1800s. The idea comes from a 19th century mystical system called Theosophy, which claims that we have seven bodies from the lowest physical to the highest spiritual and mental bodies, says Dr. Susan Blackmore, a writer, psychologist, and professor at the University of Plymouth in England. The astral body is supposed to be able to separate from the physical and travel in the astral worlds. Theosophy gained traction in America thanks to Russian immigrant Helena Blavatsky, who helped found the Theosophical Society in 1875 in New York City. Born into a wealthy family, she traveled much of the world, soaking up various religious beliefs along the way and then reworking them into new forms via Theosophy. One of Blavatsky's teachings involved the astral body and its ability to transcend mere flesh and travel to new places untethered. I have found that most people pursue astral projection as a part of their spiritual development, says Laura Brown, a spiritual lifestylist and founder of Intuitive Alchemy. As we go deeper into our spiritual exploration, we learn that we are more than our physical earth suit, and astral projection reinforces this notion. Not to mention, it's quite a trippy experience to feel the sensation of leaving your body and being weightless. So, what do practitioners say happens when experiencing astral projection? Writing in the New Indian Express, Ed DeTori says astral projection is a natural occurrence. If you have experienced a jolt and been startled from a half-asleep state, this is your astral body returning too rapidly to your physical form, he says. It can also be consciously practiced to become aware of other levels of consciousness. According to DeTori, there are an infinite number of realities, planes, and realms in the astral dimension. As you begin to leave your body, you get the sensation of movement as if you are in a moving vehicle, he says. Allegedly, this is the sign of your astral body beginning to separate from your physical. Myriad lights and colors appear in front of your eyes. You use your thoughts to move around on the astral plane. When it's time to return to your physical environment, you simply make the decision to come back to your body and then visualize yourself back in your body. Those who practice astral projection caution, it is not advisable to try astral projection on your own initially. The presence of an experienced guide is always recommended. 
And does anything happen physically? Well, there's some debate over whether the sensations and perceptions associated with out-of-body experiences happen physically or as a sort of hallucinatory experience. A 2014 study tried to explore this by looking at cognitive awareness and 101 people who had survived cardiac arrest. The authors found that 13% of the participants felt a separation from their body during resuscitation. But only 7% reported an awareness of events they wouldn't have seen from their actual perspective. In addition, two participants reported having both visual and auditory experiences while in cardiac arrest. Only one was well enough to follow up, but he gave an accurate, detailed description of what took place for about three minutes of his resuscitation from cardiac arrest. Still, there's no scientific evidence to support the idea that a person's consciousness can actually travel outside the body. The study did try to test this by placing images on shelves that could only be seen from a higher vantage point, but the majority of the cardiac arrest, including the event involving the participant who had specific memories of his resuscitation, took place in rooms without those shelves. So what does science, and particularly the medical community, have to say about astral projection? Well, before we get into a bunch of medical and scientific terms that I might not be able to even pronounce, and concepts that would place this podcast in the realm of a bedtime story guaranteed to put you to sleep, I'll attempt to simplify the positions of the medical and scientific communities to be a bit more digestible. It will come as no surprise to you that the medical experts and skeptics look at astral projection with a dubious and doubtful view that sometimes borders on disdain. They do acknowledge that people experience something, which they also readily admit regarding out-of-body experiences in general, but they do not find these experiences to be mysterious or metaphysical. Their position revolves around the brain and its intricate functions. To begin with, there is no scientific evidence that astral projection as an objective phenomenon exists. There simply is no proof of it. There are cases of patients having experiences suggestive of astral projection from brain stimulation treatments and hallucinogenic drugs. Robert Todd Carroll, American writer and academic professor, best known for the Skeptic's Dictionary, writes that the main evidence to support claims of astral travel is anecdotal and comes in the form of testimonials of those who claim to have experienced being out of their bodies when they may have just been out of their minds. Subjects in parapsychological experiments have attempted to project their astral bodies to distant rooms and see what was happening. However, such experiments haven't produced clear results. According to Bob Bruce of the Queensland Skeptics Association, astral projection is just imagining, or a dream state. Bruce says the existence of an astral plane is contrary to the limits of science. We know how many possibilities there are for dimensions, and we know what the dimensions do. None of it correlates with things like astral projection. Bruce attributes astral experiences such as meetings alleged by practitioners to confirmation bias and coincidences. Psychologist Donovan Rockcliffe has written that astral projection can be explained by delusion, hallucination, and vivid dreams. Arthur W. Wiggins, writing in Quantum Leaps in the Wrong Direction, Where Real Science Ends and Pseudoscience Begins, said that purported evidence of the ability to astral travel great distances and give descriptions of places visited 
is predominantly hearsay. In 1978, Ingo Swan provided a test of his alleged ability to astral travel to Jupiter and observe details of the planet. Actual findings and information were later compared to Swan's claimed observations. Swan's accuracy was unconvincing and unimpressive. Wiggins considers astral travel an illusion and looks to neuroanatomy, human belief, imagination, and prior knowledge to provide commonplace explanations for those claiming to experience it. The medical point of view here is one of brain functioning, as well as the effect of trauma to the brain. Research by Olaf Blanke in Switzerland found that it is possible to reliably elicit experiences somewhat similar to the out-of-body experience by stimulating regions of the brain where the temporal lobe and the parenteal lobe of the brain come together. Blanke and his collaborators in Switzerland have explored the neural basis of out-of-body experiences by showing they are reliably associated with legions in this brain area and that they can be reliably elicited with electrical stimulation of this region in a patient with epilepsy. These elicited experiences may include perceptions of transformations of the patient's arms and legs and whole body displacements. Blanke and colleagues thus propose that the right temporal parietal function is important for the sense of spatial location of the self, and that when these normal processes go awry, an out-of-body experience arises. In 2014, a functional imaging study by Andra Smith and Claude Messier reported the case of a woman who could experience out-of-body experiences at will. She reported developing the ability as a child and associated it with difficulties in falling asleep. Her out-of-body experiences continued into adulthood but became less frequent. She was able to see herself floating in the air above her body, lying flat and rolling in the horizontal plane. She reported sometimes watching herself move from above but remained aware of her unmoving real body. The participant reported no particular emotions linked to the experience. Smith and Messier witnessed key areas of the brain activated that controlled motor skills and sensory perception. This is the first study with a non-pathological participant who is able to elicit an out-of-body experience upon demand. They concluded the existence of such a case and its presentation raises the possibility that this phenomenon may have a significant commonness but goes unreported because people do not think these experiences are exceptional. Alternatively, the ability might be present in infancy, but is lost without regular practice. But people still claim to have experienced astral travel and profess to have the skills necessary to affect those travels. In many cases, they travel frequently. What are those experiences like? How do they feel? When traveling outside your body, are there cautions you should heed? Are there dangers involved? Of course there are. Ed DeTore, that writer for the New Indian Express that we talked about earlier, notes, since astral projection is a natural occurring phenomenon while asleep, remember to work on losing your fear of the unknown. Never attempt astral projection while under the influence of alcohol or drugs and start the experience with positive and wholesome thoughts about yourself, your family, and your impending experience. Before astral travel, always visualize a protective circle around yourself, he cautions. 
Imagine a white light around you. Visualize two large white hands come down and gently clean your aura from head to toe, removing all negativity. There are lots of fears expressed regarding traveling in the astral plane, like being separated permanently from your body by losing your way or having your silver cord severed in some way, or perhaps having someone or something else inhabit your body while you're away from it, and the fear of being attacked by dark entities while traveling in the astral plane. Actually, the recorded and reported experiences tend to be overwhelmingly positive, with there never being a known case of someone being blocked from their body or not able to return to it. In fact, one of the common complaints is returning too quickly to the body. Regarding that silver cord I mentioned, and apparently it is always seen as silver, so I guess you're not going to be able to choose neon yellow or another color. The belief is the silver cord forms part of our energetic body, and it's the energetic connection that maintains our physical body connected to the astral body when having a projection or astral travel. The name silver cord is perhaps not the best name to define this energetic link, as it sometimes creates confusion. Because of the energetic nature of this link, it cannot be broken, cut, or damaged with any physical object. Tori notes, it would be as if we tried to cut the rays of the sun with a pair of scissors. We could then say that it's a completely unfounded fear. And there have been no accounts that anyone has gone through biological death because their silver cord had been severed while projected. Professor Shiv Bhushanan Sharma says astral travel is a fact and can be done by every living human being with a pinpointed focus of the senses, mind, and consciousness. As evidence, I would love to share two occasions I experimented with for the sake of conviction, he says. In 1997, I decided to sell my self-acquired building in Chennai and build a big building in the suburb area. Hence, I advertised in the local press. Mr. Rao, a resident of the area, approached me. He wanted to buy the building for his daughter living in America. Somehow I felt that I should do astral travel and see the face of the prospective buyer. I focused my senses, mind, and consciousness and traveled to the house of the prospective buyer. After two days, I met Mr. Rao and his wife and told them about my astral travel and wanted to see their daughter's picture. Immediately, they brought her marriage picture with long hair and a broad face. I said that this is not the present condition of your daughter. Immediately, they brought the latest picture with a stylish haircut and trim face, similar to the picture I had seen. In 2004, my first son, Avinash, was to get married in America, and I was to travel to America to bless the young couple. However, the U.S. consulate refused to give me a visa. As a result, everyone was very disappointed. I promised my son and daughter-in-law that I will be there for the marriage. I asked my son to give me a call just before the marriage rituals. After the phone call, I lied down on the bed and closed my eyes, focused all the senses, mind, and consciousness, and started the astral travel. I was able to see the proceedings. Let's hear from others regarding their astral projection experiences. From Ann Kennedy. I thought astral projection was the fantasy of delusional people. However, astral projection came to me when I had no idea what it actually consisted of or what was involved. 
While trying meditation as a way to relax, I found myself outside my physical body, and now I know it is real. Dan McCain says, I've done it scores of times. A hundred? Detail-wise, they are all very different, but certain mechanisms are the same in all. My experience is they almost always happen in the beginning of the sleep cycle, about 10-15 minutes after falling asleep. At this stage, rapid eye movement is still an hour away. Many people say that projection is really just a type of lucid dreaming, but this fact undermines that belief since lucid dreaming is intimately associated with rapid eye movement. Projections for me are always associated with the so-called vibrations. In my experience, lucid dreams are not. The vibrations are a very important part of projection since I use them to do the actual projection. Manjusha says, Astral projection can be done by anyone. Within your sleep or even awake, most of us astral project ourselves during sleep, but we are not aware of it. Very few can astral project themselves when they're awake, and there are so many ways to astral project ourselves. George Peel relates the following. There's some learning curve to negotiate before you have the skill to do what you want. You'll find anything and everything distracting, so won't end up achieving most of what you were originally interested in for years. Planning a trip to Jupiter? <laughs> Too bad. You notice your own chakras and don't make it out of the room. Want to see somebody else's dream forming around them? It'll have to be next time. Your vision has accidentally passed inside your bedding, and now you're a millimeter tall lodged in a landscape of giant fibers. Yet, not all travels are as positive or free from issues. As some experiencers relate, there are cautions to take and entities to avoid. This from Experiencer Felk. A negative entity may indeed attach to you and affect your real life, but you can get rid of it. This is how I did it. One of my earliest memories was when I was six years old. I used to fly out through the roof and meet three other kids floating around the roof line. For many years after that, I used to just fly around the town at night. I always considered these events to be just dreams until about 20 years later when I found out that these experiences were real and had names like lucid dreams, out-of-body experience, and astral travel. When I was 14, I suddenly woke up in the middle of the night and I saw a dark figure at the foot of my bed. He was wearing like a black cape with a hoodie that was completely dark. There was some ambient light in the room, but I could not see his face. After that, I started having a nightmare every night where I would go into a dimly lit room and was not able to turn on the light or the light would go out. Objects started moving by themselves around me. I would feel very scared and wake up sweating and breathing really hard. This was happening every night as soon as I fell asleep. I could not see the entity in the nightmare, but I felt it in the same room, just enjoying that I was so afraid. One night when the dream started, I said, that's enough. I yelled as loud as I could, go away. Leave me alone. I don't want you here. I repeated that several times, and the nightmare ended, and that was the last time I ever had that nightmare. You must purify yourself from all worldly vibration. These entities are attracted by negative feelings and thoughts. If you radiate only love, they will cringe with disgust and leave you alone. From Anonymous I can astral project. One of my first times astral projecting, I was out exploring and came back to my body. 
I got into my room and surrounding my body was dozens of dark entities. I could feel it the second my astral form got into my room before I could see anything. I kind of panicked and felt overwhelmed. I had seen or felt negative entities in the physical world, but to see them face to face was different. I just took a second and I started to meditate. I imagined a ball of light and watched it grow when I got deeper into my breathing. I stopped and they had all gone. I got back to the physical and felt much better since all the entities were gone. I don't think an attack can affect your life. The only way it can is if you let it or don't get rid of it. If you give the entity permission to bother you or something worse. But besides that, if you make the entity leave or tell it to go to the light or raise your vibration to a higher frequency, lower vibration entities won't bother you. Timothy Waits says, Dark entities are harmless, just annoying, especially when they get in the way. It happens to me sometimes. I have a way of getting rid of them by just not fighting. Then they go. They're like mosquitoes. Adam Hunter says, There are dark entities on the astral plane. Some will leave you alone and some will not. If you go roaming, you will invariably come across positive and negative entities the same way that you would if you roam the streets of any city. Robin Sheffield relates, These astral beings, as you call them, are not friendly. They are not in love with you by any stretch. I would keep a long way from them. Don't try to learn from them, psychoanalyze them, consult them for anything. They are evil. Alex Riley relates the following, My most recent astral projection experience became a darker journey than any other I have yet experienced. As a note, I don't try astral projection through any form of meditation. It's just something that happens unexpectedly to me. During this particular incident, I found myself suddenly back in England in the small childhood house I grew up in. The most immediate sensation I felt was coldness, but being unable to shiver. I found myself in the living room, but I felt I was in between two realms. My eyes would not fully open. My vision was through the slits of half-closed eyes. The house seemed abandoned and full of shadows and no color. I was floating, but my movements felt more like a moth in the wind than having firm control of my movements. I found my old Labrador bouncing around. I, I know he's dead now, but he bounced around joyously to see me while in his shadow form, yet I had no power to interact with him. There was strong silence, but the coldness pressed in all around me. The rooms were intact, but derelict and decaying. I didn't have control of my body to interact with my dog, but I was able to awkwardly float up the stairs and into my old room. That's when I saw them, dark entities darting about. They were darker than any shadows and about the size of a child. They were about five or six altogether. When I tried to focus on one, it would immediately dart out of my vision, so I had to keep awkwardly spinning my body around to follow them. They didn't attack me, but were aware of my presence. I felt uncomfortable, and for some reason, anger outweighed any fear. I wanted to chase them out of my old home, but didn't have any solid control of the whole situation to do so. However, I know they have always been there, but I have never been so aware of them before as I was at that moment. To me, they felt evil, but not the worst kind. I could not interact with them, and so I felt brave trying to watch them. Without warning, I woke up cold and shaking back in my bed. 
And that, I believe, are the dangers of astral projection, to suddenly find yourself in the realm between two worlds and the realm of all things made of shadow and devoid of any life, to find yourself in a room full of dark entities and lacking solid control of your astral body. I'm still pondering this new experience. Be careful and be safe on your travels. You might be skeptical of these claims. Is there proof of astral projection? Is this stuff real at all? They are real in the sense that they feel real for the person experiencing them, as do dreams, says cognitive researcher Jane Aspel. But does the experience reflect external reality? There is no scientific evidence that consciousness, mind, self, can exist separately from the body or can detach from it. She adds that it seems as though the self is in a different place to the body during out-of-body experiences and astral projection. And that experience must, of course, be itself generated by the brain. Our brains create a model of reality in response to the information received and interpreted. If the brain does not function as it should, that is, because of epilepsy, brain injury, lack of oxygen, then this model can give rise to an experience that differs from what we usually experience, our self being located inside our bodies, Aspel says. There is evidence from multiple scientific studies that out-of-body experiences arise because of abnormal functioning of an area of the brain that combines signals from multiple senses to create the model of our self in the world. When the brain malfunctions, Aspel adds, it gives rise to an unusual model and experience of the self in the world, one that seems to be separated from the body. When it comes to astral projection, University of Plymouth, England professor Susan Blackmore is dismissive, going so far as to call the concept stupid. But out-of-body experiences in general? She loves them. Oh, they're really fascinating, she says. Once you reject the idea of astral projection, you come to think about the physiology. How does that work? What's going on? We now know that out-of-body experiences occur when our body schema is disrupted. That is, the brain's continuously updated model of what our body's doing. Out-of-body experiences can be induced by stimulating the part of the brain that builds this inner model. And we can practice playing around with our body senses in this and other ways. She adds that it's the idea of science solving what was once a great mystery that fascinates her, not antiquated ideas of astral projection. No matter what may be transpiring in our brains, Laura Brown of Intuitive Alchemy sees astral projection as a way to explore our deeper selves. She provides a counter viewpoint to Aspel and Blackmore. The more I work with astral traveling, the more I am fascinated by how it confirms that our consciousness and soul are not bound by the physical, she says. We've often seen the human body as the central aspect of being, but it's what the human body is home to that it contains this beautiful spiritual aspect of ourselves and the way projection affirms this. For those wishing to try out astral projection, Brown advises that it takes practice. I would suggest newbies begin with guided meditations for astral travel, which can be found for free on YouTube, she says. The best thing I can suggest is to be very calm and to let go of any attachment to the outcome. Don't cling to this notion of, I have to astral travel, because then you're not relaxed. You're holding on, which is the exact opposite of what you should be doing. And have fun with it. So we're left with this. We do know that out-of-body experiences are real events that people have, usually due to some kind of trauma. However, 
there's no proof that a soul or spirit actually leaves the body. There simply seems to be something occurring in the brain to trigger the sensation of leaving the body. And what about astral projection, a purposeful out-of-body experience? Well, science and medical proof just aren't there. Yet, that doesn't keep people from reporting on having experiences of astral travel. Can we absolutely say the phenomenon is not real? Well, as American astronomer and astrophysicist Carl Sagan once famously noted, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. But Sagan also said, extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And certainly, claims of traveling to Jupiter or to other dimensions or astral planes requires more than just stories, anecdotal testimony, and hearsay. Still, people have reported experiencing something transcendent when allegedly astral traveling, something spiritual, something peaceful, and something enriching. Surely, that can't be bad in this day and age. Let's give the final word to experiencer Dexter Hedman. Astral projection is very real. I projected the first time when I was 16 years old. I laid down in my bed to rest. As I was falling asleep, I felt like my mind was still awake and my body was sleeping. I could hear everything around me. Then I felt the body starting to vibrate. When I tried to relax, I felt the most wonderful feeling as my soul was leaving my body. I was in the roof looking at myself, laying down and sleeping. It wasn't a dream because everything around me was just exactly like it should be. When I was 18, I traveled far away and actually saw people I know in real time, about two kilometers from my house. They confirmed that they had actually been there. Yes, astral projection is real. I have never learned to control it. It just happens, and I don't know why. But it is the most profound spiritual experience. Postscript. You'll likely have noted that nowhere in this episode did I give you instruction or pass on tips for performing astral travel. And this is by intent. I don't practice astral projection, nor do I have any experience or expertise to pass on to you. There are plenty of institutes and groups on the internet and social media that go into teaching techniques and training sessions. So if you're interested in looking into astral projecting, please do some research into some of the groups out there. And a final interesting factoid for you. As reported by Vice Magazine, in the 1970s and 1980s, the United States Army attempted to find out by conducting research into psychic tests and phenomena, including out-of-body experiences and astral projection. Officers who worked as part of Project Center Lane were hypnotized, then attempted to reach the astral plane using their minds. They supposedly used this heightened state to time travel, heal their physical wounds, or engage in remote viewing in which they could travel to other places and planets and report back on what they saw. And now it's time for the episode quiz. Yes, indeed. We are ready for the episode quiz. And do me a favor. Go out to our Facebook page and visit, would you? We have a lot of great content out there for you. Every Monday is Monster Monday where we highlight a monster. Tuesdays are our quizzes, and we give you the answer in the next episode. Wednesdays, we highlight a paranormal film or book for you. And Thursday, we try to give you some current paranormal news. 
So today's quiz is, the term gargoyle comes from what word? Is it A, gargle, B, guard, C, argyle, as in the socks, D, boil? Once again, the question is, the term gargoyle comes from what word? Gargle, guard, argyle, or boil? And the answer is... A. Gargle is the correct answer. The term gargoyle comes from the French gargouille, the noise of both water and air mixing in the throat. In English, of course, we know this word as gargle. Gargoyles were originally designed in 13th century French architecture as a means of disposing of water. Think of them as the precursor to the gutter. Typically, a trough was cut into the back of the gargoyle, and the rainwater was able to run off of the roof and through the gargoyle's mouth. The longer the body of the gargoyle, of course, the further the water was projected. And this helped to prevent water running down the walls and causing damage to the buildings. However, some gargoyles had another function, as decorations in churches and cathedrals. They were said to ward off evil spirits. According to French legend, St. Romanus saved his country from a dragon named La Gargoui. After defeating the creature, St. Romanus burned its body. However, since that dragon had possessed the ability to breathe fire, its head and neck could not be burned. Therefore, they mounted La Gargoui's head on the wall of a church and used it to scare off harmful spirits. Most gargoyles are depicted as grotesque creatures, but it is said that, like snowflakes, you'll never find two that are exactly alike. Some legends say that these stone creatures actually come to life to ward off evil. Other myths claim that the gargoyle is a creature that is stoned during the day but comes to life at night. And still others say that gargoyles are alive and can watch over places and people even through their stone exterior. For more on a possible actual gargoyle and real gargoyle sightings in the deserts of the Southwest, Check out Episode 6 from Season 1, The Van Meter Visitor. Well, in our next episode of the Paranormal Factor podcast, we discuss the astounding UFO abduction case of Betty and Barney Hill. It is the renowned UFO abduction case that shocked the nation, and which had social ramifications as well. When you look at abduction cases, this is the big one, the one that really set the bar. So, Please join us next week for an exciting investigation into the staggering and historic abduction case of Betty and Barney Hill. If you love UFO and alien stories, it is a fascinating case that you're not going to want to miss. Well, that'll do it for this episode. A theme song is Knockers by Cinco courtesy of Upbeat Music. Hey, before you leave, if you could, please do me just two favors. First of all, if you did enjoy the show, please leave a like on your favorite listening application. And secondly, if you liked what you heard, please spread the word. Love to have some new listeners out there to join you. I'm your host, Richard Wright. Keep your eyes open for the unusual folks, and thanks for stopping by.